Golf? Yeah, I don't play it. Take skills to get that tiny ball into a faraway hole, but also money, connections, power, time, privilege. You know, things historically denied to people of color. Stats compiled by the Professional Golfers Association of America show that people of color make up about 18% of all golfers in the U.S. And African-Americans, only 3%. Now, pro basketball superstar Steph Curry has stepped up to change that embarrassing stat. And he's enlisting a historically black university to help out. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. The Biden administration announces 70% of American adults have received at least one COVID-19 vaccine shot. A heat wave across the Mediterranean leads to wildfires from Sicily to Turkey. And chipmunks in Lake Tahoe are testing positive for the plague. They say things come in three, so I'm expecting the next terrible disease to afflict our country is gonna be leprosy on rocks. Today, we hear from Pharrell Evans, a reporter and golfer who writes about the intersection of race and golf. And we check in with the golf team for Howard University, a historically black institution. The school recently restarted a men's and women's squad thanks to a donation by Steph Curry that'll fund it for six years. And a few weeks ago, it got a new pile of money at a fundraiser in California. Can the Howard University Bison help bring a moment of racial reckoning to golf? So before we begin, we got to set up Howard University, legendary school in Washington, D.C., founded in 1867, part of the so-called Black Ivy League of Historically Black Colleges and Universities, or HBCUs for short. Famous alumni? A bunch. Vice President Kamala Harris, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, authors Toni Morrison and Zora Neale Hurston, and our own Hefa, L.A. Times Managing Editor of New Projects, Shawnee Hilton. So the push to bring more diversity to golf couldn't be happening at a better place than Howard University. Here to talk about that effort is Pharrell Evans. He writes for publications like Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and Undefeated, and he also golfs. Pharrell, welcome to The Times. Great. Nice to be with you. So what's your golf origin story? I grew up uh, outside of Atlanta, and I started playing golf when I was probably seven or eight. My father played and I grew up in a, a strong black middle class community where where people have been playing golf since the 1920s in a small town near where my parents live. My uncle had integrated the golf club back in the early 70s and had caddied. And so I played, then I went to Florida A&M where I played on the golf team. And soon thereafter, I got into journalism and been covering golf for more than 20 years. That's incredible that you grew up in this world of black golfers where it was just part of life because the historical whiteness of golf is notorious in the sports world. The Masters, the most famous tournament in golf, which happens in Georgia, they didn't have its first black contestant until Lee Elder in 1975. And then the Augusta National Course, which hosts the Masters, they didn't accept their first black member until 1990. Even today, and you've written about this, Pharrell, talking about race, the intersection of race and golf makes a lot of golfers uncomfortable. They'll point at Tiger Woods and say, hey, we're not racist. The sport's not racist. One of the best golfers of all time is black and Asian. And that's all they want to talk about when it comes to race. So why even bother trying to integrate this historically exclusionary sport? Well, I mean, it it belongs to us just as much as anybody else. Uh, And sort of the, the popular image of golf as white 
is just simply not true. I think when, when we think of it, we think of like country clubs. But everywhere, I mean, if you're in right in L.A. County, you've got Chester, Washington. You go out on any given day, you might see 100 brothers out there playing. Any city in America, just about any major city, we're going to have a presence. But in public golf, primarily. But in country clubs, which is sort of this image of the game, that is going to be largely white and elite and rich. Steph Curry is one of the all-time greats in basketball, but he also loves to golf. So what got him to think, hey, I want to give a bunch of money to foster the next generation of black golfers, and I want to do it at Howard. I think Steph loves the game, obviously. He's a scratch player, and Howard is probably perhaps the best-known historically black college. And he saw this great story about a young player at the school and his effort and wanting to have a team. And Howard's team had been kind of dormant since the late 60s, early 70s. It had really not been a priority in the university's athletic program. And so Steph saw this as a way of doing something very special. So now Howard has this big endowment to build its golf program. What are they saying about their plans? First of all, building a golf program in Washington, D.C. is not an easy sell for really good golfers because you want to be able to play the game 12 months a year. So you're talking about Southern California. You're talking about Florida. Not D.C. Right. You're talking about you're talking about Arizona. So the endowment and funding the program, what that will enable them to do is to create facilities and be able to have the budget to travel and play in good tournaments that will hopefully attract really good players. We'll be back after this break. Pharrell, how has the professional golf world reacted to the new Howard team? Because numbers show that there's not as many golfers as there used to be. Actually, the PGA Tour has gotten involved with something they call a PGA University, where they are working with the, the Advocates Tour, which is a, a professional tour which supports primarily African-American players to help some of these players kind of jumpstart their professional careers. So they're trying to use this energy to build this pipeline for future generations of of Black players. What about other Black celebrities? Michael Jordan famously loves golf. Chris Paul, another NBA player. Anthony Anderson from Blackish. Have they done anything to try and diversify the sport? They are present. And I can't say if if they've spent money or, or given scholarships. But it's a slow process because what really has to happen, which I think is happening, is that what Steph has done is it's gotten corporate America and golf companies and the golf channel to become more aware. What would you like to see happen? There's a United Negro College Fund. And United Negro College Fund supports private, historically black colleges. And... Selfishly, I want there to be kind of a United Negro College Fund for golf programs at historically black colleges so we can start to pool all those resources so that there'll be support. Because once Howard is set and, you know, they've got 10, 12 years worth of money, then what about, you know, a place like Jackson State, which was when I was coming through in the 1990s, had the best golf program 
of historical black college and they competed with the top schools, the top white schools in the country. Now they don't have a golf program at all because of budget cuts. So if we can find a way to that ripple effect, reach a Jackson State and build that program back up, which for a long time was the best. And that's one thing that I'm noticing is a lot of these HBCUs, they had golf programs, proud golf programs, but then budget cuts start coming in and they're one of the first things to go off. It's almost seen like these colleges said like golf. Yeah, golf's kind of like a luxury. It's not it's not really something that's important to the HBCU experience. People don't think about the golf team as being like major. So uh, golf is a non-revenue generating sport. Golf mostly makes its reputation at the top schools in the country by being great, like Oklahoma State, Texas, Alabama, Wake Forest. Those schools have built great facilities and endowments for their program, largely through endowments and and alumni. So the same way that those predominantly white universities, I think that's the direction that the Howard and the Florida A&Ms and the Morehouses and the Prairie Views, that's how we're going to build our programs the same way. You're not going to get a lot of institutional support for those sports. The institutional support at that level is going to go to your basketball program, your football program, that are generating millions of dollars in revenue for your university and exposure. Sports has always had a huge effect on changing society, especially in terms of race. Jackie Robinson, Naomi Osaka, Bill Russell. How do you see Howard's golf team following that same legacy? I don't think so. I think what it's going to do is, is exactly what Steph and the athletic department at, at Howard hope that it does, that it sustains this program and enables primarily African-American high school kids to know that if they want to play college golf and get a good education, that Howard is a place that they should go and can go. If Howard does well and is able to sustain itself and as a model for other historically black colleges who will do well, you're going to have more blacks in the pipeline who can potentially play professional golf. But also secondly, and I know this is something that Sam Perrier, the head coach at Howard cares about and others, is understanding how the game of golf as a career, not just as a player, but in in jobs. It is a multi-billion dollar industry that primarily black people are not a part of on, on the business side as well. Thank you so much for this interview. Thank you. Coming up, conversation with Samuel Perrier, the Howard University golf coach and one of his players. Howard University used to have a golf program, started back in the 1940s, a men's and women's team. But the program had to disband in 1973, just not enough funds. In 2018, student Otis Ferguson IV started a club team at Howard, an unofficial squad. Now the program has a foundation upon which to build something big. Samuel Perrier is now head coach for Howard Golf. He previously coached at Michigan State, Stanford, and Queens University of Charlotte. One of his players is Everett Wyden Jr., who also joins us. Coach Everett, welcome to The Times. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? 
We got to start with how each of you got into golf and why you continue in this sport. So Everett, you go first. How, how'd you get into golf? I actually got into golf in middle school, my eighth grade year. One of my friends took me out to the course. He told me to, I should start playing golf and I just got hooked ever since he took me out. I played a lot of different sports. I played basketball, baseball, soccer, everything pretty much. And golf was something that it's just you and the golf ball out there and you really have to focus and be in the moment. It's a difficult sport. Not everybody will enjoy it. It's hard. It always has you thinking and it's just something I love to do. And then coach, how did you get into golf? My dad was a player. My dad had been a collegiate All-American in 1965. So that was my entree into the game. Just starting as a kid, my dad was going to the golf course and I was a little boy and I just kind of wanted to tag along. My real answer would be two seconds left in the game. If I pass you the ball, and you shoot, you miss, I'm mad. In golf, if I don't win, it's my fault. I don't have to rely on anybody else. It's my fault. If I don't make the putt, it's nobody else's fault but mine. And for me, it was easier to embrace that than passing somebody else the ball and they shoot and miss, because I'd rather take the shot with no time on the clock. You attended at HBCU yourself back in the 1990s, Tennessee State University in Nashville, and played on its golf team. You ended up becoming a college coach. You even guided Stanford University's team, one of the most prestigious in the country, to a 2007 NCAA championship. So why Howard? What brought you to this school? The only thing is that they said they wanted to create a program and it had the support of arguably the best athlete on the planet. And at that point, I realized... I wouldn't mind going to a program. If Howard hadn't had that level of support, I wouldn't have gone to Howard. I mean, my interest wasn't just going to be a golf coach. I've already done that. But knowing that they had the support and I could create basically a Stanford East for what I had when I was out of Stanford on the West Coast, that was exciting. And then to take young people that look like me to put them in a situation where they can be the, the best image and best version of themselves was pretty exciting. And why was that important to get more people who look like you into golf? Because they're not there. I mean, I've never understood literally for the life of me how we can have a game that we all play all around the world, so many billions of dollars pouring to it, but it's some level of bifurcation where we're all not involved at the highest level. I've just never understood that. It was an opportunity. I figured I could craft my own narrative as the coach and chart the path for that. Everett, you transferred to Howard in 2020 after a couple of years at Hampton University in Virginia, which is another HBCU. What brought you to Howard? Hampton had just lost the program due to COVID. So uh, I remember getting the call from my coach and uh, him telling me that the program was going to be cut. Coach Sam called me a few days after and he said he wanted me to come play at Howard. I remember that Steph Curry was funding and I looked up coach and I was like, oh, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And uh, I decided to go to Howard. And uh, Coach, what excited you about Everett joining the Howard team? I just wanted to save his life. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, you know what's interesting? Before contacting him, I had reached out to several people who knew of him. They said, number one, he's a great young man. Number two, you know, he worked on his game. He was very, very competitive. He wanted to be good. And then bringing it full circle, they were telling me that he had some prodigious length off the tee that he could hit the ball quite a ways. And so for me, I realized, I said, number one, you can't build a good home until you have a good foundation. So you need good people. So Steph Curry's donation, obviously the money matters and it's a lot of money, but I'm sure that the symbolism of what he did is also inspirational, not just for Howard, but all black golfers out there. He understands in his support what it takes to win. And that's not just financial. 
So if you say, you know, what has he done to, to help support the program? I would say it's more than money. I mean, just him reaching out to the program to say, hey, I see you guys played well, or how is so-and-so doing, or hey, we're proud of so-and-so for practicing hard and doing well, or what can I help you guys with? And it has never boiled down to, hey, I'm going to write you guys a check and hand you off to somebody else. To me, that, that means a lot. That is actually, to me, that is, that's what the program really is built upon, time served. Everett, the hope would be then that what Steph Curry does is try to show other possible donors, hey, look, it's not just money. You should not just be writing a check. So you should be there and caring and not just for the big schools like your Stanford's, your Michigan State's, but also care about these HBCUs as well. He's leading the way for many more athletes to come to try and sponsor schools. And he's just really just a good guy. And, and people, I guess they see that side, but we really have it one on one and we know what he has to offer. In July, the two of you were at the inaugural Bison at the Beach Golf Classic at Pebble Beach in Northern California. That's another legendary golf course. And the event raised $3 million for the endowment. What was that experience like for the both of you? Not just playing this legendary course, but also seeing these individuals and corporations paying in to support all of you. I was honored to be there. I met many important people that can help me with golf and just in life in general. It was good to talk to Stefan and uh, get to know his team and talk to him. And just having a good time being out there, really bonding with him. And then the corporations donating all the stuff that we need. And it's just good to see people wanting to help us. What I enjoyed the most about that experience is that the young people on the team like EJ had an opportunity to see and experience the what can or what could be. It's one thing to go play Pebble. I'd played Pebble multiple times, but for them to be around people that are truly interested in making a difference, and they get to see it up close and personal, shake hands with people that are decision makers, shows them the potential and the possibility of where they could be one day. Because my expectation for some of the young people on this team is that in 20 years, 30 years, they will be the CEO. They will be the CFO, the COO. They will be the decision making in some of these companies where they're going to be asked to give back to young people in different parts of the United States, if not the world. Everett, do you see golf as a long-term goal for you, continuing in your own career, but also trying to get more people of color into the sport? That's the goal. I want to take it to the next level. Just seeing my own race out there more and more, that'll be great for golf. And we're slowly getting there, but it's not there yet. What would be that next level for you? Play on the PGA Tour to get to the tour level with my coach here right here. He knows the things I need to do, the people I need to stay in touch with, and just all the all the access I have in front of me, and there's a point to, to try and get to that goal. Coach, what does success look like for you when it comes to Howard's team? For me, success for, for a person like EJ is that once he's done, he has his degree, he's able to take a run and play professional golf. Now, Every student on the team doesn't fall into EJ's boat. So there are other students on the team where I would say success for the Howard team looks like we get degrees from top to bottom regardless of where you fall in the lineup. But number two, we're able to compete at the highest level. We're able to see some of the best teams in the country, but at the same time, to help the young people develop a network which will last them instead of the next four years, it will last them the next 40 years. You should be able to walk through the door at Howard and you should be able to get 
that same golf experience from scheduling, to technology, to experience, to course access, practicing, swag, networking, people that you will meet, funders, donors, that you will get at any major named university. Coach Perrier, Everett, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is realer than ever. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn and Denise Guerra. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Lauren Rabb and Shawnee Hilton. Our intern is Ashley Brown, who is also a producer on this episode. Go, Ashley! Special thanks to Heba El Orbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias.